servers out of the stream, I think. Really? Yeah. I think we're live now, it looks like. Oh, yeah, we are. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to the Bible Thumper podcast. <clears throat> my name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Caleb Jenks. And tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to give you a dozen or so reasons not to be a Christian. Now, this might sound funny, but there are a lot of folks that are not Christians. They're atheists or agnostics. They're humanists. There's a lot of folks that are not part of our clan, and they all have their reasons as to why not to be a Christian. And we're going to go over a bunch of those that we've heard, and we're not going to take an hour on any one issue. And some of these we have taken an entire hour on. We're doing this because, I don't know, hopefully it'll be entertaining. I mean, that's really kind of the only reason we do any of this. We pick topics that we want to talk about, and then we make you sit through it. I will promise you this, this evening will not be two and a half hours like last Sunday night when we went over Easter. That went on forever. So we're going to talk about a couple dozen reasons not to be a Christian. And I have a list, and Caleb has a much, much, much shorter list. And we're going to just ask each other these questions. And honestly, you know, we, again, we didn't rehearse this, so no one's prepped for this. So we're not sure how this is going to go. But we're going to present each other with reasons for not to be a Christian that atheists, scoffers, skeptics, humanists have come up with, and we'll see what kind of an answer we have. And while you're listening, folks, please send a message in. You have the ability, the technology is here. Use it. Comment on this video and give us one of those questions and we'll bring it up right here live and, and you can be part of the show. Along with that, we want to always invite everybody to get on Spotify and Google Play, look up Bible Thumper, please download some episodes, listen to them, share them around, and let's try to get this marginally accurate Bible teaching presented poorly by two Craigslist level preachers out for the world to listen to. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us. Speak for yourself. Craigslist didn't even accept me. <laughs> Caleb was rejected when he sent in his application to Craigslist. <clears throat> so we have two subpar or sub Craigslist level preachers on here tonight. So as we get into a couple dozen reasons not to be a Christian, Caleb, I'm going to bring up mm, one that I hear a lot. And Caleb, can I be honest with you? When I read through a list of reasons not to be a Christian, and, and I got to say this, I brought up the idea that a lot of these lists come from atheists, agnostics, humanists, scoffers, and skeptics. But to be honest with you, most of the lists that I'm bringing up are folks that were Christians and have walked away from it. I have questions right. on here from folks that have been pastors for 25 years. I have questions on here from folks that were raised in Christian churches for, you know, 20 years and then went on to do something else and left. <clears throat> so a lot of these questions are coming from folks that, I don't know, I, it feels like they kind of have a chip on their shoulder. Whenever I read the articles and look through this information, 
I really feel like, you know, they, they are upset. Hey, Sharon, thanks for joining us. Glad you're with us. Okay, Caleb, question number one or problem number one, one of the reasons that I'm not going to be a Christian is that the biblical creation story is impossible. The world is billions of years old. God did not create the world six to 10,000 years ago. Hmm. Boom. So uh, you heard it here first. Yeah, I guess you were obviously the wise guy that was there from the get go. So you, you know it because you've <laughs> you've been there or aside from that, you've uh, sourced your wisdom to to sources. The interesting thing about that is, is that they're depending on on other people that were never, never there to tell the story, right? Because you could never, you could never go off of a history book that actually tells the story that was recorded thousands of years ago. Let's try to rewrite history now as good as we can based off of uh, the best technology that we can come up with to try to recreate history. The funny thing about that is the science community, the archeological community, the um, so many of these places that they source their information from, they're not necessarily all unbiased sources. So the problem with the bias in the Bible is that the historical account is, is written by biased people, right? They're believers in God. And so you can't trust that because it's coming from a biased source, but are their sources unbiased when they can, when they say, well, the earth is billions of years old. Are you sure? How do you, how do you know that? Do, are you sure they didn't have an agenda when they came up with this? Um, the evolution story, uh, versus the creation story where was it really just created as a counter narrative to try to refute Christianity. Um, and so to me, I, I, I think that it's always fun to get into that discussion with somebody when they bring that up, because oftentimes they try to take the objective, uh, the objective logical high ground and say, um, I, I don't believe in creation. It's just an impossible story to tell. Um, and I think you brought this up at one point, Patrick saying that it actually, um, it actually is their their belief in evolution is actually a religious belief. And I'm reading a book right now that's it's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And it just it really compares the the ideas that they bring up. It's like, all right, if, if you're going to be an atheist, what is it that you're going to adhere to? And it really takes a lot more faith to believe in it because their facts, they don't have the facts to back it up like we do. Um, they have your faith has to go a lot further to believe in in their philosophical or religious view of evolution than it does to just believe in creation. All right, so let me jump in here and get my two cents in, and then we can we can move on to the next one. Because my goal here, folks, is really to hit these, talk about them for a minute or two. Caleb gets his two cents. You hear my two cents. That's a total of four cents, which is pretty good. That's a good deal nowadays. And then we're going to keep moving through these because we could get onto one of these topics and just talk all day long. And that's, right. that, that's, um, that's not the goal. Okay. So really the, the thing we have to remember, Caleb, is that we are talking about a philosophically or I should say a scientifically neutral philosophical discussion about origins. Right. We're, out, we're outside of science, creation, evolution, both totally non-scientific. God creating everything was not scientific. We can't measure that, test it, demonstrate it in a laboratory. It was supernatural. The Big Bang, any variation of it that you want to come up with, also a supernatural origin story 
it is outside the realm of the scientific method. We can't test it, demonstrate it, reproduce it in a laboratory. So therefore, we're both believing these things on faith. Now, the humanist does not like it when you say that. I mean, they get mad because they use scientific terms. Right. <laughs> that doesn't... They're, the big, they're the big thinkers. <laughs> yeah. And and it's unfortunate because, you know, the, the whole thing is that, and, and we've talked about this before, I am not the guy that says uh, we need to teach less evolution in the public schools. I don't say that. I think we should teach more evolution. I think we should take it out of science class, and I think we should have it in a philosophically neutral classroom where you can bring up any topic of origins. And I personally subscribe to the giant duck theory that life came down from a giant uh, from outer space on the back of a giant duck. And I think we should teach that in this classroom because it is as scientific as the creation or the evolution theory. So let's teach them all. If you want to believe in Greek mythology that Prometheus created life, fine, teach it to the kids. But if you, it's a faulty premise. The argument that, well, we stand behind science and those stupid Christians, you know, they have nothing to stand on. They have no idea. No, you don't. It's a faulty premise. They're they're all supernatural. Whenever we're talking about uh, topics of origin, it's supernatural. So, you know, don't give me that, that idea. So that is number one. The biblical creation story is impossible. That's my two stories. All right. You ready for one? I'm ready for one. Give me one. All right. So... I cannot be a Christian. I thought about it. I got to know some Christians and these guys were a bunch of hypocrites. So um, I decided not for me. All right. I'm actually going to stop what I'm doing here and stop sharing this <laughs> into different groups so I can concentrate on this one. Number one, that's a cheap shot. If I want to write off any group of people on earth I can say that they are hypocritical and I can say there are some hypocrites there. There are some people that, you know, just don't believe what they're selling. And Caleb, can you, can you believe it that my favorite place to get breakfast in the morning? And, and this is a fast breakfast. This isn't like sitting down for a whole spread. This is the Taco Bell drive-through to get a steak crunch wrap. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that's your that's your favorite place for breakfast. My favorite place. If I'm in a rush, a Taco Bell steak crunch wrap that hits the bullseye. Now <laughs> I have to go try can, it. Can you? You've never tried it. You got to try it. The the steak crunch wrap is a really good breakfast. Now, can you believe? So I got to know this guy in the drive-thru. And can you believe that this guy had the audacity to show up and eat breakfast at McDonald's last week? I saw him there. This guy doesn't believe what he's selling. So I am never going to Taco Bell again because I saw one of their members do something that I think was hypocritical. I don't agree with it. And therefore I get to write it off. It's a nonsensical idea. And here's the biggest problem. And and we've spoken about this. We've talked about this before. Whatever you become a Christian, you get saved, you turn to the Lord Jesus, 
okay, and you call on him for salvation, you're no longer going to heaven, or I'm sorry, you, you are no longer going to hell. Your sins have been forgiven. You're going to heaven. And now you got to find a group of Christians to get together with somewhat regularly and worship with. Well, guess what? The best group you are ever going to find is going to be a big old group of sinners. That's it. And unfortunately, people have this idea of hypocrisy as if unless the Lord Jesus himself is teaching me, okay, I get to write off everybody else because Caleb, right. you don't live your Christian life perfectly. You don't live, you don't live it even close to perfectly. And therefore, right. okay, I have a reason to write it off. Has anyone ever looked around at atheists and secular right. humanists? Are we to believe that there's not a hypocrite among them? See, the difference is, and we're going to get into this a little bit, and I know I'm getting on a rabbit trail, they have no moral law. They have what we have talked about before, moral relativism. Because there is no God who created everything, who gets to make up the rules. Therefore, what do you feel comfortable with? Your morality can be different than the morality of those in Iran. And I'll tell you what, your wife is probably glad that she lives in Texas with you and your morality. Right. But we're not allowed to say that their morality is wrong. The only group we're allowed to condemn are the Christians because they try to live by their moral code and they fail. And we like to point it out and say that that is the best reason to not even consider their God. Keep in mind, all the Christians say that their God is perfect, but that doesn't matter. Right. We just want to find the dumbest looking one out there. And there's one in every church, folks. There is one person in every church where every member of the church prays every week, please, God, don't let this person share the gospel with anyone and say that they worship at the same place I do because it's an embarrassment to me because they're a knucklehead. Every church you go to has a few folks like that. Okay. Every business you go to has a few folks like that too. Every family has a few folks like that. And guess what? That that person in your family goes to church somewhere and the, those poor Christians got to take them in and love them. And, and that's their burden to bear. So hypocrisy, I think, Caleb, the short of it is it's a cheap shot and it's just a reason to write off Christianity as a whole. Please jump on in with your two cents. I think I gave you five cents worth. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I agree. I think, I think you're right. I think that's something that you brought up there is Christians. We've actually, we're kind of a soft target. And when you think about it, the claim that we have truth that is exclusive invites this, um, accusation that's made against us. It, the claim is that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, right? The claim that that uh -huh. is our belief. That doesn't mean that we believe that we are the, the way, the truth, and the life. So you have to remember that just because we claim that our, our truth is exclusive doesn't necessarily mean that that truth is dependent on our, our perfection. That truth is not. That truth stands whether we agree with it or we preach it or not. So we, we have to realize as Christians that 
we put ourselves under a different microscope when we when we when we make the claim to to having exclusive truth and that and that that counter reasoning to our truth is not truth therefore it's false um, the atheist of course feels like that they can take the moral high ground because they say well i have my truth you have your truth like you mentioned the moral relativism but then there really is no truth because is are you sure that that's true if it's you know if if your claim is that it's just your truth and my truth is my truth then is that your truth and and can i hold to the view that that my truth is actually truth well then you you, you they, they quickly realize that the that the ground that they're standing on um it has fallen out from underneath and they don't they can't make that argument if the, if the claim is moral relativism can i jump in here with an idea yeah. The moral relativist, the person that does not believe there's a foundational set of true principles, right and wrong, given to us by God, that person, when explaining their moral code, all they have to do is prove that whatever they did was what they wanted to do. And that's right. it. They've succeeded. It was right by me. You got it. So right. therefore, I am never a hypocrite because everything I do, I wanted to do. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, I am batting a thousand with my moral code, because guess what my moral code is? If it feels good, do it. Whatever I think is right, right is today. Yeah, so that there's that. And then the other the other side of it is, is like you said, Christians are hypocrites. We are mm -hmm. all hypocrites. Um, and so really the best response as a Christian is, hey, yeah, uh, you're worried about coming to church because there's hypocrites. Well, come on down. There's room for one more. Yep. <laughs> you know, there's always room for one more. Um, but the fact is, is that sometimes, um, sometimes it, it's, it's difficult for somebody from the outside to understand the fact that you can claim truth and, and stand on that truth and your perfection to that truth does not affect that truth. So for instance, um, I can say you don't run a stoplight. You shouldn't run stoplights, but then you could look at me and say, well, the other day I saw you and you uh, didn't run a stoplight, but you didn't put your turn signal on. So you're a hypocrite because, well, yes, I am. I'm a hypocrite because I didn't obey the law in this area. And I'm saying you should obey the law in that area. Does that mean that now it's okay for everybody else to run stoplights? Obviously not. So just because there's a bad Christian out there, that's a bad example or a bad witness to the gospel and is a hypocrite that doesn't change the truth. The truth is, uh, Christians are hypocrites. The, on the flip side of that, um, not not all Christians. You can't just you can't always throw that at us and say, "Oh, you're a hypocrite because you mess up over here." You still have the right, even though you mess up, you still have the right to stand on truth because that truth isn't yours in the first place. So if if I say um, Patrick's a hypocrite because because I think that he, I don't know. What, what example I've given you a hard it? time about beards for like the last two years. <laughs> right. And now he's, and now, now he's hatched. Yeah. He's only got a mustache. I only yeah, have so a I mustache. Yeah. So I can say Patrick's, Patrick's Stinking a hypocrite. hypocrite. Sure. There you go. <laughs> or, or on the, or on the moral scale, I can say somebody's a, a hypocrite because I heard them tell a lie, but yet they mm -hmm. still claim that gay marriage isn't, isn't acceptable. And so therefore they're a hypocrite because they themselves have sinned, but yet they're condemning sin in another area. That's a very common thing for people to throw around. Oh, you're a hypocrite because you're going to condemn my sin, but I don't like your sin either. Mm -hmm. Well, the fact is, is sometimes it's just an excuse. Like, like you said, Patrick, I think that the, hip the hypocrisy thing 
while there is sometimes merit to it, and I met plenty of Christians that are hypocrites, and I am a hypocrite myself sometimes, or much of the time, sometimes I probably don't even realize it. That doesn't mean that I can't make a truth claim because I'm in perfection. Uh, I think that, I think that if that's the case, that's a, a very foolish argument to, to make that just because you don't, you're not perfect, you can't make any kind of a truth claim. So what's your next reason not to be a Christian? Okay. Um, I am not going to be a Christian because the Bible is just a book. It is not inspired by God. What do you think of that? That's a tough one. If you just look at it from the outside and you've never really done much research on it. Like reading um, it? Yeah, like reading it. Exactly. <laughs> reading it, studying it. Um, if you if you just say, well, it's just another book. There's plenty of books out there. That, that argument holds water only to a certain extent. Um, and, and so the, the response as a Christian, I think that, that we should be well-versed in the fact that the Bible is one of the most or is the most historically accurate and proven book that is in existence. The Bible spans multiple generations and there's been, there's been archeological digs. Um, I mean, there's digs going on right now where they're discovering things that are written in the Bible that they're finding now to be just as the Bible said, there is prophecy in the Bible that it was spoken hundreds or thousands of years in advance. And that those prophecies came true, just like it was said. Um, the idea that the Bible is just another book would be, would be, I would say, a, a little bit more rational uh, approach if you didn't understand the fact that the Bible wasn't written over the, if you thought the Bible was just put together over the course of, of 10, 15 years by a writer that wanted to write a book. The Bible was put together over, over generations, centuries, mm -hmm. and it's compiled by independent, by independent writers that all have, I mean, there's people that try to find contradictions within the scripture. There's people that try to pick it apart, but the old Testament, the new Testament, all of these independent writers throughout history that, that recorded it, they, there is continuity between all the books. Um, aside from that, I think that Jesus is uh, the most, he's the best proof that we have that the Bible is actually God's word. Aside we, from fulfilling We're going to get to Jesus. We're going to get there. Okay. I Don't won't take too much on, time. Yeah. 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 But I would say that Jesus is is the uh, the biggest reason that you should believe the Bible. Jesus is not he's not even contested among atheists. Um, nobody nobody is is arguing. Even Muslims aren't arguing that Jesus existed. There's nobody that argue. There's people that it, argue. It's true. What Caleb's yeah. saying is absolutely true. You go all over the world. You talk. Hindus believe Jesus existed. Um, Buddhists believe it. Muslims believe it. Uh, all over the world. That's not in debate. The only place that's in debate is in academia because they want to try to get out of conversations with people that don't know the facts. So they throw that out there. Oh, Jesus wasn't even a real guy. That's just a story. Well, and it, most atheists, their argument is never that Jesus didn't exist because mm -hmm. there's way the, the evidence is, is, is insurmountable. They, they can't, um, they can't say without a reasonable doubt that Jesus didn't exist. Mm -hmm. There's way too much evidence for his existence and it's recorded outside of, uh, outside of the Bible as well. But what they can say is they don't like Jesus and that's fine. They can say they don't like Jesus because they don't think that he is a good guy. They can say that, that they, th that they think that Jesus was a fraud. They can say all kinds of things about Jesus. They can say that he wasn't the Messiah. Um, and, and Christians 
are the only ones that are making the truth claim that Jesus is actually who he claimed to be. We're making that claim. But plenty of other people that hate Jesus don't argue the fact that Jesus existed. And so Jesus' very existence, his death, his resurrection, the empty tomb, those are things that um, are very, very hard to get around if you're going to say that the Bible isn't God's word. Because Jesus goes back, he, he not only fulfills much of the Old Testament prophecy, he also verbally confirms much of the Old Testament. And he never contradicts anything in the Old Testament. So, in fact, most of the Old Testament is written um, as a, a, to point to Christ. So I think that Jesus is the number one reason that you should believe in. And of course I said, I wasn't going to get off on the rabbit trail of Jesus, but here we are. No, that's <laughs> but fine. Yeah, to I me, mean, Jesus, we're... Jesus is the number one reason that I would give somebody. Um, and, and partly because Jesus tells us that if we seek him, that, that, uh, that we shall find him. And I, I've found many Christians that start op opening their Bible up as a skeptic that through the course of that, that Jesus becomes real to them and they, and they encounter Jesus in a, in a, in a more personal way and, and, and realize you can have a, a personal relationship with him. So that's, that would be my response to, uh, to the, the Bible isn't true claim. As far as the Bible not being true, here's what I'm going to tell you. The only way you're going to be able to come to that decision and be intellectually honest with yourself is if you become informed. My first question with everybody that writes off the Bible is, oh, that's nonsense. I say, okay, well, have you read the book? Have you read any of the book? Tell me about the parts of the book that you have read. And I'll be more than happy to explain whatever you come across that you disagree with and you think is nonsensical. But most people aren't going to do that. As a matter of fact, what we find is that the Lord says, asking you shall find, or sorry, seeking you shall find, uh, asking you shall receive, knocking the door will be open to you. And I found that anyone that wants to know about the Lord gets themselves a King James Bible and opens it up and starts reading through it. And they pray to God and say, God, I don't know who you are, but I really like to know, can you please show yourself to me? After a couple of weeks of that, they really struggle writing off everything as they did before. I'm not going to say that is every person. But what I am going to say is that a study of the Bible, and I had to do this. You got to remember, Patrick Hayes came from uh, a secular, humanist, atheistic uh, background. I was an atheist when I went off to college, and believe me, they weren't teaching me the Bible there at a state college in Vermont. And when I came to know the Lord, and I and, and and it was after I read through the New Testament when someone challenged me to do so, I really had to come down to, and this is going to be another topic we're going to bring up here in a minute. I had to battle with the idea: Am I going to believe this book? Not just enough of it to believe that Jesus is God and I want salvation, I want forgiveness of my sins, I don't want to go to hell. Am I going to believe this book? And Caleb, I got to be honest with you, one of the biggest problems with Christianity today is this idea that we have Burger King Christianity. You want to know what Burger King's slogan is? Um, I figured you would know more what Taco Bell's slogan was, but go for, go for Burger King. 
Sure. Well, while we're on the topic of Taco Bell, did you hear that they opened up the first Taco Bell down in Mexico that happened last month? Oh, really? Was yeah, that a they, big hit? Well, they had to change the slogan from uh, run for the border to stay right here. <laughs> That's funny. So the burger. I'm, I'm assuming there was no truth to that truth <laughs> no, claim. No, that was just a joke. So the Burger King slogan is have it your way. And that is one of the biggest problems with Christianity today. I want to have it my way. And Caleb, I, I've been listening to this one preacher for, oh, I don't know, a couple weeks now. And I, I just found his podcast. I really like him. I sent you a text about him. Did you ever look that guy up? Robbie Zacharias. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, you're, you're, are you aware of the, the scandal around him, right? No, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I, I, if, I have if listened to his keep speeches. In mind, the guy's dead. Okay, so this is really, yeah, the guy's so dead. And I don't know the, what the, the scandal is or okay. what, you know, what happened. It didn't but, come out until after he died, but well, he, he apparently it, had assaulted people. But the interesting thing about this is, is here's a guy, and much of what Ravi preaches is, mm -hmm. is spot on. Oh yeah, he, he, I he love is, listening to this. And guy. The, the fact the fact of the matter is, I mean, he's he's very poetic. He's an Indian guy, mm -hmm. and he, and it's fun to listen to him because he's he seems like he has a lot of wisdom, much oh, like David yeah. and in a the lot Bible. of experience around right. the world. Yeah, much like David or Solomon in the Bible that were imperfect men. Sure, that their imperfection doesn't change their their truth claim. And I sure. would say people, a lot of people. Um, and myself included, I quit listening to Ravi Zacharias after you know it came out. They did a his organization did an internal audit, and they found that that it, I mean the text messages were on his phone, pictures that he, he had exchanged with these women that he met in massage parlors or whatever. The guy was a hypocrite. All right, he was sure. <laughs> he was a pervert, but his truth claim is is um, it doesn't change the fact that he he stood on the truth of the gospel, and that's it's a shame when we're a bad sure. witness to the gospel. But anyway, continue. Yeah. I've I've so, I'm well. Well, I'm well aware of Robbie. So what okay. was the well and I you're you got in the weeds and I totally forgot what we were talking about. Uh, but while we're on this subject about okay. uh great preachers that have influenced a lot of people and done great things for God and then unfortunately, you know, have fallen and it was public, there's do you know the fella uh Doug Phillips from Vision Forum? Phillips, Phillips Craig and Dean? Uh no. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, you can look no, up Vision Forum, big homeschool advocate and preached at a lot of homeschool conferences. Okay. And I, you know, I feel like he was down in Texas, but I just don't remember. Anyway, the Vision Forum ministries were, have greatly affected my life. Okay. They reprinted a lot of great books that I had bought and read that were wonderful and listening to Doug Phillips uh, preach. He was a guy that really knew history and he applied it to the Bible very well. And he was a guy that had a lot of conviction and stood on principles. And, and you just love to hear. I, I, I really did. Anyway, it came out at some point. I was looking up something and, and it came across his name on the, the old interweb. And it, I think he had an affair with a secretary or if he didn't do that, he... You know, and of course, I'm like guessing at what it was. So forgive me, oh, Philip's family, if I'm bad mouthing. He had an affair. Okay, so he, he had, had an had affair. An affair. I... And at the end of it, he ended up staying with his wife. Their marriage stayed together. He stepped down from the ministry. They, you know, uh, tried to repair their marriage, and that that was kind of the last that I had kept up on it. And 
okay, so for me, I was really hurt because I really like this guy and this guy helped me a lot. And after thinking about it and, and talking to one or two friends of mine who had turned me on to this guy and a lot of his teachings and a lot of the books that he sold, you know, we talked about it and I came up with, well, I'm not throwing out his books and I'm not throwing out the messages that he preached because they are as good today as they were yesterday. Because guess what? Yesterday, before I found out he was having an affair, the messages were great and helpful. Well, that doesn't change the fact just because I am now have been, I have been enlightened to his sin, his sin was there the whole time. And it's terrible when you get into that stuff. And, you know, everyone hates to see that except for the people that don't like Christianity. They're probably licking their lips like <laughs> a bunch of wolves that came across upon a flock of sheeps, you know, but the, I mean, the fact is I don't take pleasure anytime an enemy of Christianity suffers or falls or is doing poorly. That's not, you know, for me, Caleb, I've always wanted everyone on earth to get saved and to follow the Lord Jesus and to get that in their life, even the enemies of Christ, even the enemies of Christian principles, and even the the people that hate Christianity. More than anything, I would have loved to have seen them get saved and go to heaven one day when they die. Now, we were on the topic of the Bible, right? Right. And we right. can't so, believe the Bible. So I, I don't remember where we were with that. We kind of backpedaled back well, into hypo hypocrisy. My, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my next question here. Give me is, a question. It was, it was very similar to your question. So uh, if you, this may trigger some more thoughts on, on the Bible. Yeah. So um, the, the idea that Christians only believe the Bible because the Bible says that they should. And this is, um, I would say, very similar to the last question. It was just my way of writing, maybe writing down the same question. But it's a little different in that the claim is I can't, I can't believe the Bible because you. the only reason that you believe it is that the Bible tells you you should believe that it's true. Okay. So, let me, you, so let me no external that. sources is the claim, basically. Well, and and the long and the short of it is is this, Caleb. So let me give you... A personal anecdote, which is worthless as far as proving anything, but I'm just going to give you this idea because I don't think a lot of people have thought about this. It wouldn't be the first worthless thing that people that we've offered on the podcast. <laughs> so I have to go for it. We've get we've given entire hours worth of worthless content. <clears throat> so, for me, I'm not going to say that my life was great prior to Christ. I will tell you this, it was a lot easier. And as far as what I wanted to do with my life, I was already doing it. Right. I did not come to the point of believing and obeying the Bible because it said to. I did not want to believe and obey the Bible because I didn't like what it said. The reason I came around to obeying the Bible and doing what it says is because I believe God is real and I believe God wrote it. And I didn't get there because I read the I opened up the Bible and 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 
I turned to Genesis chapter one, verse one, that said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This book is true. You better believe it. And I said, okay, right. I'll believe those first two verses. Now on to the rest. I came at it very skeptical. And do you want to know the reason that there are so many Christians that we all call hypocritical? It's because they don't believe the Bible. Do you know how many Christians out there don't believe that the Bible is the word of God? Do you know how many Christians out there don't even try to live according to its precepts? Do you know how many Christians don't read the Bible because ignorance is bliss? They don't want to know what it says because right. as soon as they learn what the Bible says, now all of a sudden there's this guilt and shame that comes upon them because they <laughs> haven't been doing what the Bible said their whole life. So right. it's just a lot easier for a lot of us to just avoid reading the Bible altogether and we can go on with our life and it can be kind of a, I don't know, kind of a little hobby on the side where we just show up on Sunday mornings for an hour or two and it's kind of our social club and, you know, it's it, it's better than a lot of places for our kids to hang out because they're going to, you know, learn good things and be taught moral things. And they're going to try to keep the kids away from things that we disagree with in generally. And that's about as far as Christianity goes for a lot of people. And I hate to say that, but you know, that's what you're going to get now in a lot of other cultures, they will present missionaries, Caleb, if you talk to missionaries in Asia, in parts of the Middle East. Caleb, if you talk to missionaries, let's just stick with those. A lot of the religions that you find in those countries that fill up Asia and the Middle East, they will take what the missionary says and they will add it to what they already believe. Right. And a lot of missionaries think that they are being successful. And the ones that take their job very seriously make sure when they present the gospel, they say, please understand that you are not to just accept what you have been taught here today. You are to accept what you have been taught here today, and you are to reject everything in your life that does not line up with the man Jesus and what he taught. Right. And Christians today are doing the exact same thing that the Hindus and the Buddhists are doing, where they will learn about a new deity and they will add it to what they already believe. Right. I didn't get to believe in the Bible because it was convenient or because I liked it. I don't like a lot of what the Bible says. And the Bible tells me I'm not allowed to do most of the things that I really want to do. I do it because it's good for me, and that's what I've learned because God's real and he loves me. But again, full circle, I'm not going to get there unless I read the book and I seek out the truth. So uh, there would there be a problem with only knowing truth of Scripture based off of the, the, the truth claim of Scripture? Um, there, there, there would be. Uh, for me, uh, there used to be, and there's not anymore. And uh, this is what's interesting about it is, is when somebody gets to the point in their in their faith where they have examined the truth. My faith 
right now, I, I can tell you that beyond a reasonable doubt that I believe that the Bible is God's word. And I didn't just come to that by a blind faith, but it was it's a reasonable faith. I did examine the evidence that was presented to me. I haven't just said, all right, I want to believe this because I was told to believe this. Mm-hmm. But once you come to that, once you come to that conclusion, then if you if you believe that the Bible is God's word, then you do run into an issue where the Bible makes these outrageous claims of being exclusive truth. And this is the interesting thing. You mentioned pantheism and, and the, the problem of trying to introduce Christianity in with the pantheon of other gods and goddesses that they worship. It's easy for them to add Christianity in. But God from the beginning has been a jealous God, and he has been he has said that, that we cannot worship any other gods. So it's always been an exclusive truth claim in the Bible. And this was very true in the Old Testament. It was very true in the Ten Commandments. It's been true from the beginning. The New Testament makes uh, some very exclusive claims. If you look in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We believe that as Christians. We believe that all scripture is inspired by God. So at that point, when you believe that, it now no longer is is what you believe in the, the truth of the Bible dependent on external sources in order to believe, in order to believe it. Because now you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus. You, be, you come to faith in the Bible as the word of God. And so I don't have to check everything that the Bible tells me against external references. Now I'm not, I'm not questioning that it's God's word. I believe that it's God's word and that, and that his word is the foundation that, that everything is, is built on for my faith. But that doesn't mean that I always had that blind faith. It doesn't mean that I that it was an unreasonable faith or that I didn't first examine the other ev- evidence, and so I think that that is uh, that's that's the the response for me when when somebody makes that claim that that the only reason you believe in the Bible is because the Bible tells you to believe in the Bible. I say no, that's not that's not the only reason that I believe in the Bible. It's not the only reason that I first came to faith in Christ. Now, of course, now that I do believe the Bible is the Word of God, I believe it is the ultimate authority. But I didn't. It's not like I just came to that because the Bible told me I had to believe it. Um, so, and I think that if somebody's having those questions, those are wise questions to, to ask, and and you should you should examine the evidence. Uh, Jesus doesn't ha- seem to have much of a problem with the fact that he knows we have doubts. Uh, Thomas had doubts, and and Jesus didn't condemn him for his doubts. He just said, "Here, stick your hand in my side." So Jesus will reveal himself to us, and he does it through his word. Um, so that's Caleb, that's it on that. What's your next question? We're well, 44 gonna, minutes into it here. I'm going to get to that question. I'm just going to give you a ridiculous idea, okay? Because you okay. brought up the idea. You said that you do not have blind faith in the Bible. You did believe it as a child, but then you looked into it because you wanted to have reasons for why you believed it, and you found those. So now you found enough evidence to where you believe it no matter what you come to and read. You don't have to check it every time. Caleb, do you believe that the post office will be able to take a letter from you and deliver it somewhere in this country and the person on the other side will get that? You put a stamp on it, you put the proper postage. Right. Do you want to know how many letters are lost every year? (laughs) Thousands. I'm sure a lot. Do you know that the U.S. post office has lost money every single year starting with the very first year it was created. 
Do you know that in 2019, it lost $8.8 billion, that's billion with a B, and that was more than double what it lost in 2018. Do you trust the government that continues to use the post office and pay for it? The yeah. government that can mess up a rock fight. Right. Because right now we're at a point where we believe that the government has this magical formula in these little syringes that it can give you and it's going to save your life. Even though they've told us that you have greater than a 99% chance of surviving the disease it's saving you from. But we're told that, man, you better get this stuff. Otherwise, you are a terrible person and you're ruining the world and everyone's going to die and and panic and fear and let's light our hair on fire and run in circles because it's a pandemic and we got to shut down businesses all over the world. Caleb, people have blind, unreasonable faith about things every day. Right. People don't check on it. Christians are a group that can actually stand up, and and obviously not all, but we're, we're talking about those who have read and studied the Bible. We can stand up and say, see right here, okay? We, we read it here. We found it out there. The history lines up. We can, we can bring it all together, and we can say it's not blind faith. I say anyone that believes that their financial future is going to be secure because the government promises to take their money and give it back to them in the form of social security is an insane person. Insane. And we're talking, Caleb, about math that we can do on one eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with no calculator. And people are trusting in that government that can mess up a rock fight to take care of their financial future. There are people that have blind faith in stupid things. Right. But don't tell me that I'm one of them. Right. Okay, Caleb. All right, so it's your turn. What's the next question? I don't believe in Christianity or the Bible because I don't need a supernatural threat or reward to choose good behavior. I don't need God telling me what's right and wrong. I can be a good moral person without God and the Bible. What do you think of that? Well, we got... Uh, it's eight forty-eight. So we got twelve minutes left. So I'm going to make this pretty brief. Um, yeah, it's a good. Que- it is a good question, but I'll, I'll keep my response fairly short. So um, I would say that. So your your argument is that you can be good enough without the carrot and the stick approach. So the the idea is that correct. Christians are only good because of the promise of heaven or the fear of hell. The carrot really, and the stick. really, the idea I would say is more so that the act agnostic and the atheist and the secular humanist don't need the Bible to be good moral people. So therefore, we can reject Christianity. That, I think, is the idea, is that morality is not tied to God. Right. Okay, so, of course, then, what determines morality? um, And then we've been over this in other episodes 
as well. It comes down to moral relativism. It comes down to, you know, we just discussed this idea that, that Christians say that you can't be, you can't believe the Bible because the Bible is, is the, making the truth claim that it is truth. So that's why you believe it. So they would say that's circular reasoning. Well, their, their idea that you can be a good person without having somebody tell you or dictate what is good and evil to you, that you just do what is right and wrong. Well, that's circulate, circular reasoning because they've just, uh, they've just rejected the idea of right and wrong or truth in the first place. So I, I would say that um, to answer the other side of that question, I mean, obviously they don't have a foot to stand on there because um, that, that's circular reasoning to say that, that they believe the truth that, that there is no truth um, and that truth can't be known or that it's, it's all subjective truth. Um, it, that obviously that argument has already been dismantled uh, many times. It's, it falls flat. But the other, the other idea that Christians um, are only moral because of the carrot and the stick approach. Uh, briefly, I, I just want to say this, the idea that Christianity forces me to be a moral person is not theologically correct. That's not what I believe. All right. So I don't, I'm not a good person because I want to earn my way to heaven or because I'm afraid that if I'm not good enough, I'll go to hell. That's not what we believe. That's bad theology. And so they built a straw man argument there to say that, that we, that we believe that um, the, the only reason that we're good is because of, of our, our hope of heaven or our fear of hell. It's not a carrot and a stick approach. Of course, that is, that is the number one appeal to the gospel. That's the one, number one reason for salvation is, is what are we getting saved from? And obviously we, we do believe in the doctrine of hell and we need to get to that before the end of the episode, because we have a very good question here that somebody commented on, but that's not the reason that we choose to live moral lives. Um, we, we believe that we are saved from sin and that we're going to heaven because of Jesus. Salvation is a very, very small entry point to the Christian life, but yet our Christian worldview impacts us and inspires us, not because of a fear of hell or a hope of heaven. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. It inspires us out of our admiration and our love for God to live as moral human beings and love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and, and we're inspired to do that because of the greatness of God and, and because of this moral law that he's written on our, on the hearts of man that, that give us the idea of what is right and wrong. Our conscience, God gave it to us to guide us. And so to me, the idea that Christians are only good because, because of the carrot and the stick approach, that, that is a very false argument. Christians are only good because of our, our love for God. If we understand it, we don't make the claim that we're trying to earn our way, way to heaven by our good works. I mean, if you if, if if you're making that claim, you have really bad theology, and Jesus had no reason to die for you. Jesus' death is in vain if you're trying to earn your way to heaven by your good works. You're going to heaven because Jesus and His blood. Period. Nothing else. Mm -hmm. You live a good moral life. You have a good Christian worldview, and that impacts all aspects of your life as a Christian. It, it impacts the way that you behave in the workplace. It be, it, it it impacts the way that you be, behave with your family. It Im impacts. Every, every aspect of your life, we can go back to the Bible and the Bible has wisdom and guidance and, and our Christian worldview affects that, but it's not the carrot and the stick approach. I'm going to take the other side of the coin, which is the idea that the atheist, the agnostic, the secular humanist doesn't need God and his moral law in order for them to be moral people. I'm going to use a couple examples. Number one. The criminal justice system 
proves you wrong. We have a criminal justice system in every town, in every county, in every state, and on a federal level. And the reason is because a moral code and a punishment of evildoers is required to keep people doing right. Now, I'm not saying it works real well. People are going to do right or wrong based on their desire. We try to evil just... People reproduce, evil people reproduce faster than you can incarcerate them, you're saying? <laughs> We're going to try to have people think it through and decide that the consequences are worse than the benefit of their evil deeds. But the fact of the matter is, there does need to be a moral code because if there is not one, then what you run into is Animal Planet. <laughs> We're a bunch of cannibals. Why not, right? At the end, kill your babies and eat them, right? At, well, at the <laughs> end, of the, logical at the end of the day, Caleb, what what's the problem with it? I it. If there is no right and wrong, there's no moral code, a foundation set by our creator, God, then I can say that I don't like and agree with the idea that you're going to kill your children and eat them, but I really can't say that it's wrong. Right. We're, it's we're, only wrong if you think it's wrong. <laughs> we're going back to, and, and really what we're coming down to is a form of democracy which we all know is just civilized mob rule. The reason that slavery has existed all over the world, the reason that oppression of groups of people has existed all over the world, the reason that there is child sex trafficking in your town and in mine, in every county in America and all over the world, it's not a topic we like to get into much. It, it doesn't drive up viewership or listenership of any program because it's a horrible topic to get into. But the fact of the matter is, it is more popular. It is going on more often now, today, than at any other time in Earth's history. And the reason is, because people are doing what they want. They're not, they, they get to decide what's right and wrong. And you know what? We're going to say, oh no, that's definitely wrong. Well, who gets to say? Because you got to remember, we're, we're, we're talking about the playground when the teacher has to take a phone call and she steps inside. So now it's just third grade. Caleb, has no one really read Lord of the Flies? Is that no longer mandatory reading for kids going through public school anymore? I had to read it. I would hope a bunch I've of never, our listeners. I've never read it. Okay. Have you heard of it? It's it's a, uh, it's a great book where no. a group of kids become marooned on an island. And to, I mean, keep in mind, I, I we're going back over 20 years since I read the thing. I don't even remember why they got there. Maybe it was a plane crash or a what whatever but this group of kids and they seem to be about you know third graders 
end up on this island and they form their own government and they start making decisions as to right and wrong and what they have to do. And, and it just turns into chaos real fast. The book was entertaining for several reasons. And it was, it was, it was a great book and a great discussion in sociology because anyone with kids read the book and said, that's exactly what would happen. And when the teacher goes back into the school who ends up with the one dodgeball on the playground? Well, it's the biggest kid. That's the one that ends up with it because they have the ability to force their will upon everybody else. And that's what ends up happening. That's the reason there are militaries. That's the reason there is law enforcement and a criminal justice system in your town. It's because people are more than happy to be dishonest, selfish, self-seeking in order to achieve gains in their own life, and they don't care if they are at your expense. Now, most of us don't do that because we don't want to get caught and prosecuted because we understand what's going to happen. But when you have wicked leadership, it gets real bad real fast. And for some reason, people... Whenever this discussion comes up, they don't want to look at any tyrant. Caleb, do you realize that I have family that fought in World War II? I have family that was in Vietnam. Do you realize what the people who were in charge were doing during those times? They rounded up everyone that, that disagreed with them, and they stood them against the wall, and they shot them. They just lined him up in front of a ditch and shot him and pushed him into the ditch. And let me tell you, that was a pretty quick way to stop any kind of insurrection or rebellion against what you wanted done. The idea that there is no moral law that's foundational, that, keep in mind, transcends time, transcends culture, transcends gender and race, There is no group that is exempt from it. This is a situation that we have to look at seriously because when the Nazis stood before their accusers in Nuremberg for their war crimes, they all had one defense, and that was we didn't break any laws. We didn't do anything wrong. We were just following orders. And the argument was brought up that there must be a law greater and higher than the law of the land. Because if there's not, then they are right. Adolf Eichmann did nothing wrong. But most people would disagree with that statement. Most people would agree with the idea that, of course, he did something wrong. Of course, Joseph Stalin did something wrong. Of course, Paul Pot did something wrong. None of those things are okay. But if you don't have, thus saith the Lord, a moral law that you stand on, then who are you to tell them that they did anything wrong? Someone has to make the decision, and if it's left up to mob rule, well, it's going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly real, real fast. Caleb, let's go to Sean's question here because he put in the effort to make the comment. He said that his issue 
or he thinks that the the issue with hypocrisy isn't the little stuff, but when religion is used as a reason to exclude and treat people poorly. Or if you aren't a Christian, you are going to hell. Now, that's a shame because we're going to separate this into a couple different points, and I know <laughs> that that last statement is not going to go over well. Okay, Jesus would never do that, but I stopped being a Christian because I saw it in several churches I attended for years. Do you want to take a run at that first? Yeah. So uh, before I do, I've got to just mention that I have, I'm going to have to get off here pretty soon because I can't go much over tonight. I have an appointment That's fine. here. I got to meet yeah, yeah. somebody going to look at some property. But um, so this is, this is a very, this is a very good argument. All right. If you, this is a very emotionally moving argument to make against Christianity, I don't know you, Sean, hopefully you're still listening. And I'm impressed that I'm not sure if, you, if this is you playing the devil's advocate here, or if this is you per personally. Uh, but I, if, if it is you personally, I'm impressed that you're still um, seeking truth and watching the Bible thumper here. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this will help you. Here's the problem is that Jesus is painted oftentimes through bad theology that's taught from the pulpits as the nice guy. Jesus is Jesus is the nice guy, right? What a friend we have in Jesus, right? Everybody likes Jesus. Jesus would never do that, right? Jesus never would do never send somebody to mean, hell. Never do anything that wasn't kind. He would certainly never yell. Caleb, he would never fashion himself a weapon like a whip. Right and beat people in public and just trash a place by flipping furniture upside down and driving people out of there. He wouldn't do that. Right. Wouldn't do it. Okay. Prove so if that's wrong, if that's the Jesus that you are, are looking for and following and have been told of, um, dive into the word of God. And, and fortunately you're here on the Bible thumper and we, we do get into some of this stuff on here, but start reading, read, read through the Bible and, and don't you, one thing that you can't do with Jesus is you cannot put Jesus in a box. They tried to put Jesus in a grave. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. <laughs> and and, and anytime that we try to put Jesus in a box and make him fit our convenient circumstances, all of a sudden we've created another Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there, there are, there, there's a problem with that. Jesus is who he claimed to be, and he made some outrageous claims. He says, no one comes to the Father but, but through him. By me. Yes. So if no one comes to the Father but through Jesus, then Jesus has the exclusive access to God. That is Jesus's claim. All right. Now, if, if Jesus is the nice guy that would never send anybody to hell, but yet Jesus says, nobody goes to heaven except for through me, then all of a sudden doesn't matter if he's nice or not. You got to go with Jesus, right? You can't go with your idea of Jesus. You can't go with somebody else's idea of Jesus. You have to go with Jesus's words himself. And so I, I want to propose this idea and I'm going to try to do this as briefly as I can. I believe that God is a merciful God and that hell is something that he's created out of his mercy. And if, if God, if God created hell and if, if the idea of hell was something that exists out of a way for uh, just to punish people because God was a malevolent God. Jesus was the bad guy. Jesus would never send people there. Um, if that's the idea, then then 
I understand your point, but I, my, my proposition is this hell is a place where God has allowed evil to be, um, what's the, what's the word they use in, in a hospital when, when they have sick patients on in a specific quarantined. ward and they, quarantined. Yes. He has allowed, he has allowed those that have rejected him to have a place where they can go and they can have their life, their autonomy without God. One of the problems that people have with Christ Christianity is, is not all of these moral, these moral claims that they can make all of these ideas of the fact that Jesus isn't nice enough. We, especially Americans, we love our autonomy. We love our freedom. That freedom came from God. We don't want God to steal that freedom from us, right? We don't want somebody to come and cram it down our throat and say, you have to do this. You have to do that. We don't, we don't want there to be a moral code that we have to live by or abide by. We we'll, we love our autonomy. And, and the, the thing is about a Christian, when you, when you become a Christian, you're making a public confession of the fact that you're dying to your flesh and you're going to live subject to God and, and to his word. So you're really giving up your autonomy as, as a, your freedom as a, as a person. But that freedom was granted to you by God. There's another way that that freedom can be taken from you, and that would be if God forced you to uh, be a good person. He forced you into heaven against your will. And I would I would propose that that God is a malevolent God. That God is a lot less nice than the Jesus that we don't like that says, if you follow me, you can have eternal life. If you reject me, you can lose your eternal life and you can spend eternity separated from me. And when you look at, at, at the world, and I'm not trying to diminish hell by any means, the doctrine of hell is an important part of Christianity. But when you, when you flip on the news, you see the power of hell unleashed in the world around you. You see people getting abducted. You see people getting raped. You see them being torn apart. You see terrible things that are gut-wrenching, that cause weeping and gnashing of teeth. The power of hell has already been unleashed in the earth. We see the power of hell and we reject it. And whether you're a Christian or not, oftentimes we, we find these things to be repulsive when, when we see this evil. But the fact is, is, is you see that evil within yourself. You can be a, a, a pretty good person, but you reject human trafficking, right? You would never, you would never go and, and steal somebody and, and, and rape them. But maybe you still are, you're a pretty good person, but you lust a little bit. But all you do is you look at pornography. You don't actually go and, and, and pick the girl up off the street, but you're supporting pornography. That's the same power of hell that's alive and well within you that God wants to redeem you from that's alive and well within the rapist. He's just taken it a few steps further. But that same power is 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 in us. It's been unleashed. Satan, when Satan made the fall, when when God allowed us to, to take the fall uh, in the garden, that, that power has been unleashed around us. And God's plan is redemption. He's trying to save us from hell. And some of us don't like the fact that God doesn't, it, that God doesn't play fair. Why, how is it that God could allow somebody else to go to hell and I don't go to hell? And, and they were a relatively good person. And so we say that God somehow owes it to them to all be, to all be fair. Well, the, the opportunity is fair. The opportunity for heaven, the, for salvation, for redemption is fair. It's only fair if you take the opportunity though, if you reject God, then you're rejecting him for eternity. And so the idea that God is the one that's sending somebody to hell is actually a faulty premise. We're sending ourselves to hell by rejecting the truth of the gospel. So I believe that it's only God's mercy that he allows there to be justice, that he allows there to be um, some, when you see the pain and suffering and the evil in the world, there needs to be some sort of justice. And there has to be bloodshed and there has to be, um, there had to be blood that was shed on the cross in order to, to, uh, make up for our, I'm trying to, uh, atone for our sins. 
And so that atonement was made through Jesus. He doesn't owe it to us. He doesn't owe it to them. And so when we when we accept the gospel and we're going to heaven and we make the claim that if you're not a Christian, you're not going to heaven. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an ugly truth. That's an ugly part of the truth, but it doesn't doesn't diminish that truth. And Jesus would and does make that claim. And so as Christians, um, we don't have to like that. We don't have to like the fact that there's going to be people in hell, but there are. There's going to be people in, in hell and they chose hell. God didn't send them to hell. They chose hell and the opportunity was there. So that's my answer to that question is, uh, yes, it sucks that not everybody's going to go to heaven, but Jesus says that he would, that no man would perish, but that all would have eternal life. The opportunity is there for everyone, but it's only there for those that, that take it. Well put, Caleb. I'm going to uh, just throw up two verses here uh, in the comments, and I'm going to address this one as well. Uh, Sean is a friend of mine. Uh, he's been to my house many times. His little girl plays with my boys when he comes over, and he's come over to my house several times for a poker night, and I am his plumber, and I love Sean. Um, now, there are a couple problems that we need to look at very quickly. The, the two are this. Number one, Jesus created hell. It says that he did that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says that Jesus was the creator and he created everything. It also talks about Jesus being the creator in John chapter 1, if you want a second place to you know, get a cross-reference there. The other thing it says is that Jesus is the only way. He said that in John 14, verse 6, and I hate to say it, it's a verse that is not brought up often enough. A lot of Christians don't like bringing this up because they know the reaction they are going to get. Nonetheless, Jesus said it, and when Jesus says something, it is as important as anything else he has said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man shall come unto the Father but by me. <clears throat> And I got to tell you, Caleb, as a Christian who gives the gospel to a lot of people, we'll say more than average, I don't like having to say that because I right. know the reaction I'm going to get. Out of everything I could tell you about Jesus, the number one thing people do not like is the fact that he said, this is it. I am the only way. It's not me in a bunch of other ways. There's not a lot of paths to heaven. There is one. I am the Lamb of God. I am the Messiah. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. It is me, period. Obviously, I am speaking for Jesus. Jesus says, <clears throat> it is the work I did on the cross. No one else can get there any other way, period. People don't like that because they deduce that that means that a lot of people are not going to heaven. And like you said, Caleb, the fact that we don't like it doesn't make it any less true. And if you want to reject the gospel, you get the choice. We all get the choice. But it is a shame that one might reject the gospel simply because they don't like the idea that those who have come before them might not meet them there. What we need to remember is that every religion is that exclusive. 
there's only a couple that I know about that say every way gets to heaven. And honestly, who takes that seriously? Right. It's like, all right, well then I don't need to do anything else you say. That sounds good to me. We're all going to get there. Great. Don't sign me up for your club. There's no reason. There's another misconception. And Caleb, if you got to go, just, you know, sign off, say goodbye and take off. I don't want, don't stick around just because I'm talking. I don't need to go. So I wanted to finish this point. Okay. I I got five minutes. Oh, you got plenty of time. I'm only going to take up like four and a half of those minutes. Okay. Another big misconception is the idea that Jesus is the nice guy and the God of the Old Testament is the mean one. That is said through ignorance. When you read through the New Testament, go ahead and read the Gospels and mark down every time Jesus called someone a name publicly. Or every time that Jesus said, oh, you were told that, I'm going to make it 10 times harder for you. (laughs) Read every time Jesus set the bar impossibly high because he never gave us a command that was even within reach. He says, you guys are a bunch of failures, and the only way you're going to achieve any of this is through God's help. That's it. You're not going to be able to do any of this stuff on your own. You should really go through the New Testament and underline every time Jesus calls somebody a name, like I said, publicly, every time uh, Jesus yells at someone, every time he humiliates someone in public, every time that Jesus seems to be unkind. Because I hate to tell you, the woman at the well is not the only person Jesus spoke to. And unfortunately, that's the picture that we all get is that Jesus was just wonderful. He never told us anything we didn't want to hear. He never said anything that we didn't like. That is just not true. The second thing is the idea that the God of the Old Testament is this horrible, horrible person. I hate to tell you, guess what? The God of the Old Testament was Jesus. Do you understand that, everyone? I've been on a kick, and I've been saying this a lot lately, and I think this is going to be my hill to die on. This is going to be the Patrick Hayes saying that you're going to hear for the rest of your life. Most Christians are polytheistic. They believe in more than one God. They believe in a New Testament God, and they believe in an Old Testament God, and they think they're different. They are not. God the Father who met with Jesus, or I'm sorry, who met with Moses on the mountain, okay, God that met with Abraham with the two angels right before they went into Sodom and Gomorrah, the the God that was born of a virgin and walked the shores of Galilee 2,000 years ago and was crucified, the God that created everything in Genesis chapter 1, the God that dealt with all the prophets, that's the same God. It's the same God. There is no such thing as Jesus, the nice guy, and God of the Old Testament, the mean guy. It's the same person. And the problem is the God of the Old Testament was so patient and so forgiving. And so the Bible uses the term, and I love it, long-suffering. It is 
insane that God put up with all the nonsense for so many years. The problem is, at the end of the day, guess what God also is? He is just. And that is one thing I love and one thing I am scared to death of when it comes to God is his justice. I've heard people say <clears throat> that they can't wait to get what they deserve. I'm like, I am not standing next to you because right. I don't want what I deserve. I know what I deserve. I deserve to be in hell with my back broken. I don't want what I deserve, and I'm grateful that I don't get that. That is exactly what the mercy and grace of God is. I'm not getting what I deserve. I am getting something way better, something that I do not deserve. I get to go to heaven. So the misconceptions are God of the Old Testament bad, God of the New Testament good. It's just not the case. With that being said, it is always terrible when anybody uses the Bible as a tool to beat over someone's head and make them feel bad and try to oppress them in I, any way. It's I terrible. I can't stand guys like that. Bible thumper guys, man. Oh, I just, every Bible worst. thumper out there. But let's face it, Caleb, and you and I know this. You and I use the term Bible thumper because we believe what the Bible says. And that's the case. We have strong convictions about what the Bible says. Caleb, have you ever met or have you ever seen me being real mean to any form or type of Christian in your life? Have you ever seen uh, me being the, the mean the meanest I can think of you being is when you send me send me harassing texts about so, the fact that I don't pull my own weight on the Bible yeah. or, like that, or that I haven't bought Bitcoin as early on as you did. No, no, you're a very, you're, you're a gentle, generous guy, but you're true. That doesn't, you don't have to dumb down your truth in order to be gentle or kind. Correct. I don't have to change what I believe. I don't have to be soft in my convictions in order to be kind. Do you think that Jesus set aside what the Bible said? Do you think Jesus set aside the truth of the word of God? Not even one time, not one single time. He held to and believed the Bible 100%. He lived his life by it across the board. He just did it accurately the way it was intended to be done from the beginning rather than the way that the people of the time, you know, did which was messing the Bible up. When you when you read about or see the Ku Klux Klan who by the way are the dumbest group of morons you've ever run into because they spell clan with a K. They can't even get their own name right. And they use the Bible as their reason for discriminating against blacks and also get this Jews. And then they go on to say that they are the true Bible-believing Christians who worship Jesus, their Lord and Savior, who, by the way, Caleb, was a Jew. Jewish. Talk about the dumbest white men I have ever seen or heard of in my life. And yeah, they use the Bible in order to excuse their horrible actions. 
I don't know a single Christian that is okay with that. Uh, are they out there? I'm sure they're out there. I don't know any. None go to my church. I I mean, it's absolutely insane. Are there people who are Christians who are hypocritical, who aren't nice, who are, you know, not patient and sometimes mean and dishonest? And oh, here, here's what you got. Run the whole gamut of you know, well, I've met people that are this and this and this and this, and you got a list of a hundred things. Well, guess what? They they go, their kids go to school with your kids. Okay. They're on the same, you know, uh, sports teams as your kids. They go to the same church as, uh, you know, you go to their part. They're people. Churches are made up of people and some of them are very stupid. And some of those are Christians. And I'm sorry that you've dealt with some of them. But if people are going to join and leave a religion based on the shortcomings of its people, guess what? You're never going to stick in a church, ever. You're never going to stick to any religion. There isn't one because all religions are made up of people. We worship a God who is perfect. We're not. Lord knows that Sean knows that I'm not. He's my friend. We've hung out plenty. And I hate to say it, I, I would be terribly disappointed if I was the best Christian he's ever run across. I don't know where I am in the lineup, but I hope I'm not the worst. <laughs> but the point. All right, so I got. Go ahead. You want to jump in? Yeah, no, I just got one point to make, time. and I got to sign off because I got do somebody it. outside do waiting it, for it. me. But um, I just wanted to say, I had I, mentioned this, and this is the the emotional the emotional side of this. You really, if you're going to be an objective person looking at truth, you really have to separate the emotions from it. You don't have to like it in order to 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 look at it. If you're if you are a prosecuting attorney or a defense attorney or you're a judge, you can't deal in emotions because emotions. I mean, you can try. As a prosecuting attorney, you're going to want to try to use emotions, or as a defense attorney, you're going to try to want to use emotions. But at the end of the day, no matter how much you want the outcome of the trial to be one way or the other, you have to look at the facts. And that's really the way that it is with Christianity. You can't you can't just sit there and say, well, I'm going to I'm going to prejudge Christianity because I don't like this fact about it or I don't like that fact about it. Um, I would I mean, I would I I have to agree with you that I've run across Christians that I didn't like the way that they handled this doctrine of hell, that the way they handled uh, the exclusivity of Jesus and him being the only way to, to God. I didn't like the fact that they wanted to hold that over you as somehow they're, they are, they're better than you. They're better than, we're all sinners. We're all in need of a savior. And so there can be a little bit of humility. There's better ways to present the gospel. There's different ways that sometimes it gets butchered and, and is, is, is misrepresentation. People are bad witness to the gospel, but you can't allow that. And the fact that you don't like the way that people behave as Christians to change the fact that you, if, if you know Christianity is true, but you say, I don't like the fact that people say that if you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. That still doesn't change the, the doctrine of hell. That doesn't change the truth of, of the claim. So you, you don't have to act like they do. You don't have to behave like they do. But if you acting and behaving differently somehow means that you have to alter the truth to match your emotions, then you might as well just throw out the Bible and just go with your go with your emotions. Because really all that you're wanting to do is something that feels good. Well, Christianity isn't always going to feel good. I don't think it felt good when Jesus was dying on the cross. It doesn't always feel good when we have to give up our, our uh, autonomy or our freedom 
for Jesus. So I actually don't disagree with hardly anything that you said here, Sean, with the one exception. My my one my one problem here is is where you say that Jesus would never do that. I take issue with that, and I think that I would challenge you to find find a scriptural basis for we're we're talking about Jesus here and our source for how Jesus is, how he acts, how he behaves is the Bible. There's no other authoritative sources on that. And so I would I would challenge you to go back to the Bible, forget your emotion emotional experience with church and the way that that turned out for you and how you don't like it, and go back to the Bible and and read about Jesus and his claims. And I think that you will find that Jesus, as has been presented to you, is 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 a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus would do that. Unfortunately, as much as we don't like it, Jesus excludes some people from heaven, and it's only on their own choice. And so that would, that's my only issue with what you say. I, the rest of it, yes, I agree. There's a lot of hypocrisy in the churches. Uh, religion is used as a tool to exclude and treat people poorly. That's, I mean, that's one way of using the name of the Lord in vain. Um, if you aren't going to Christian, if you aren't a Christian, you're going to hell. That I believe that's true. And I know that's, it sounds like an arrogant thing for me to say. It sounds like an arrogant thing for a Christian to say. Maybe we should say it nicer. Maybe we should try to mention the fact that we that we deserve hell as well. The only reason we're going to heaven is because of Jesus. But that doesn't change the fact that, that Jesus makes this claim. Jesus would never do that was the next thing you said, and I, I definitely disagree with that. You stopped being a Christian because you saw it in several churches that you attended for years. Um, so obviously you've been exposed to church. You're, you're not a stupid person. You've been around the gospel. I would just challenge the idea that, that you believe that Jesus wouldn't do that because I, I actually disagree with that. I believe that Jesus would do that. Um, and that is who Jesus is. Um, so anyways, <clears throat> I have to sign off. Um, I did want to, I did want to quickly mention, well, we, we only made five points here. Five. Yeah. Or we didn't points, get very believe, far. Yeah. Or maybe six. Um, so maybe we'll have to do another episode on it. Um, and maybe I should just save it for a different episode, I guess. Um, I, I think that most of the reasons are, are usually emotional reasons why we reject Christianity. And we, we mask the fact that we just plain don't like it. We don't want it. We mask it by hiding behind these seemingly moral arguments that we make against it, that we can still somehow come off as the good guy, even though in, in reality, hell is apparently just too fun to skip. And for a lot of, a lot of people that reject heaven and, and choose hell over heaven, they chose it because they were going to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season as well as the, the way the Bible puts it. We, they chose that route because it was just too good to miss out on. It was too good to miss out on. And, and I, I believe that, that is a lie that Satan has proposed. If you watch people that reject God and live as non-Christians, take, take eternity out of the picture. If all we have is life on earth, you have people that they, they turn to, they turn to other things to try to find their, their fulfillment in life. They turn to sex, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to all these other, other things to try to make them happy because they have this empty place in their heart. The more that they turn to sex, the more that they need drugs to cover up the empty spot that's left in their life from all the broken relationships that they did that were outside of God's plan for sex. The more drugs they do, the more it deteriorates their body, the more they turn to sex to try to fill the, or other, other substance abuses. You look at those people at the end of their life and they're not the happy people. They're the worn out, broken down bodies that are sad, that have, that have hurts and that point their finger and blame God. On the contrary, when you look at people that honor God, they actually get to, they get to in this life, live out the, the promises of God in their life. They have joy, they have peace, they have patience. They have things that the rest of the world can't give them. 
And the fact is that the rest of the world can't take those things away from us either. And, and as a Christian, um, sometimes it's jealousy from the outside looking in saying, I, 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 I'm going to reject what you have because, because I'm really jealous of it. And so that's kind of like somebody that has a, a Lamborghini and you're like, oh, I don't like Lamborghinis anyways, <laughs> you know? Well, in fact, maybe you, if, if you had the opportunity and you had the money to have that Lamborghini, you would have the Lamborghini, but because you can't afford it, instead you just say, oh, I hate Lamborghinis. And that's probably a bad analogy, but oftentimes it's that way with, with Christianity. We think we can, we convince ourselves that, that we could never have that because we're not good enough. Well, the fact is, is the cross is good enough for everybody. Your sin isn't too bad for the cross. And so it's free. It's not like you have to earn the Lamborghini. With Jesus, all you have to do is make the choice to say, all right, you know what, I'm going to lay down my life I'm, and I'm going to turn it over to control of, of God. And then he gives you, he gives you the, uh, the freedom that you're looking for. And um, I, so I, I really think that oftentimes people choose hell because they want hell. And, and maybe they don't realize that. Maybe they don't have their mind wrapped around it. But hell, it's just too fun to miss out on hell. So then they get their reward. And and unfortunately, they find out that it was a lie and, and that it wasn't so fun. Anyways, I'm going to sign off with that. Hopefully, that's not an arrogant way for me to <laughs> for me to end the, the evening. But I, I, I do believe that most of the time that most of these arguments are just silly excuses the cover for the fact that we just rejected God. Thank you, Patrick. I'll turn it back over to you. Okay, everybody. That was Caleb Jenks signing off. Uh, I hope everyone had a good time. Please come back next Sunday evening at 7 p.m. And certainly get on Spotify, Google Play, download some of our podcasts, listen to them, share them around, try to get the message out. We are trying to get people reading their Bible and talking about it. So I appreciate every one of you that tunes in. You can't even imagine. I, I'm going to do this whether we have one person or a hundred listening or however many because Caleb and I just like talking about the Bible and we hope that someone else in, you know, is going to get excited to read it and study it and kind of go from there. So we do appreciate you all. Have a good night and we will talk to you one week from today. Bye-bye.